0: Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show.
1: Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our heroes' journeys. This is Taking Flight, An Entrepreneur's Journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. And here we go, 2023. I cannot believe we're moving into a brand new year. The year has started as so entrepreneurs. We know how crazy that is. So, Um, I'm really exceptionally pleased to have our guests join us today, especially when we know this is the beginning of a crazy year ahead, hopefully a very positive year. Um, And so I'm delighted we have a strategic thinker joining us today, an entrepreneur, an award winner, a solid partner and a team player, an EO Atlanta member who won an award as well for the 2020 State of Georgia Small Business Rockstar. Wow. A board member at Bright Futures Atlanta, CEO at Hatchworks, Brandon Powell.
0: Hi, thank you for having me on, Sarah. I really appreciate it. That that reads pretty well. I'm not I'm not sure how accurate all of it is, especially the strategic part, but we'll go with it.
1: <laughs> very strategic. You've been very strategic to me, so I can actually attest to that. So um, well, let's get straight into it, Brandon. We always want to come out the gate strong. Um, I'd love you to share with our listeners, with our viewers, what did you get right? When you took your first flight into your entrepreneurial journey,
0: yeah, I, I typically get the the question about what went wrong since that list is uh, very very long. But in terms of getting right, I think one thing that I've seen a lot of uh, my entrepreneur friends struggle with is when they had co-founders and and how that that relation it, it's it's great at first because you have someone there right with you. Uh, But I think later on, um, I've seen a lot of different issues that entrepreneurs have. So I feel like now that I'm six years into my journey, uh, one of the things that I got right was not having uh, a co-founder, even though it obviously was more challenging to get the business off the ground doing it by myself. But I think now that the business is going and growing, uh, I'm grateful um, that I don't have the co-founder side of that. Uh, And I think the second thing that I didn't realize it at the time that it was something I was getting right. Was that, and it was more because I was so scared to take the risk to leave a really good corporate job to go start my business. Uh, was that I already knew who my first one to three customers, one guaranteed, but also really had a, a high probability of who my second and my third customer were going to be. Mm-hmm. So once I launched the the company, I was able to you know have my first deal within the first. 30 days and my next customer within the next 60 days. Uh, and I felt like that's the cash that I really needed since I bootstrapped the business to really help me get going. And so I think those two things, uh, no co-founders, and then having those first few customers identified uh, were, were you know something that really have helped me uh, get the business off the ground.
1: Yeah, that's ex- excellent. Um, two very strong points so you mentioned no co-founder, um, which is, you know, obviously that's proven to be really a good strategy for you. But who are or were your co-pilots on this journey, Brandon?
0: Well, yeah, it's it's a lonely journey, and I have, you know, obviously have a lot of people to thank for for where I'm at. Uh, but I have to go with my my mom, uh, in my EO group. But my mom, you know, she was a single mom that raised me and my sister. Uh, and I actually started, you know, kind of my entrepreneurial journey really young, just hustling, you know, mowing lawns and 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 figuring out whatever I had to do so I could just, you know, buy the clothes that all the other kids had. And and my, you know, I didn't realize what I was learning then, right? But my mom was really teaching me a lot in the fact that you know she she, she couldn't give me everything that I wanted, even though she wanted to. And so I had to earn it, and I had to figure out a way. Uh, and if if I couldn't figure out a way to do it, then I wasn't going to get it. Uh, And so she's, she's stood by me. Uh, She still thinks it was crazy that I left a corporate job to go take this chance, but regardless of how crazy she thought it was, she still stood by me. She believed in me Uh, every time I, you know, she's, she's heard about my, all the challenges I've had uh, with the business um, from, from the start and, and all the, all the successes. And she's been right beside me on that journey. And I'm really grateful for that. And I would say the thing the last three years since I've been in uh, an EO and EO forum, man, my group, my group, my forum um, that I've been with, I'm so, I have so much gratitude for them. Uh, And it's not even the X's and O's of business that I'm thankful for. It's the psychological part. It's having others that are going through the same things mentally, right? Yeah. And it's taxing, trying to balance your family and your kids and then this business. And at the end of the day, with all of us in the room, it, start, it starts and stops with each of us, right? There's no one to just hand it off to. Uh, and I got so much stability from them in terms of, you know, the kind of the psychological aspect of trying to be an entrepreneur and balance everything.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Most people, which we have on the show, say the same about their EO group, but they've never spoken about it from the psychological standpoint. I, I, it may have been that they meant to, but you actually stating it that way, I think, is really, really um, a, just a testament. And obviously, I'm not I'm not here to plug EO, but it is a testament to the fact that you have people. Going through a similar journey because um, it does get lonely, like you said at the very start, it can get very lonely. So um, that's great to hear. Um, yeah,
0: but I, and don't get me wrong, EO has taught me a ton on X's yeah. and O's as well. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I get that also from other service, You know, from from different things that I'm involved in and, and business school and those types of things. But I, I still think the like, the like people, the mindset, right? I still think that entrepreneurship is ninety percent plus mindset right yeah. of, of art can you and having them backing you on the mindset side mm-hmm. I think you know pays huge dividends they're my tribe as I would yeah. put it
1: yeah that's really great so what is a challenge you and your team had to solve recently
0: well there's always some challenge I would okay. say a big challenge though that I think a lot of entrepreneurs face is cash and I know cash is king and and all of these things but for us, we scaled like crazy the first five years, and then COVID had a big impact to our business. So we generated a lot of cash in our business that I left in the business, but 2021 was a painful year. Even though COVID started in 2020, mm-hmm. 2021 caused us to burn through millions of dollars in cash, um, just trying to pull through it. I, I didn't want to lay off employees and I had lost some contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then uh, last year in 2022, we started to scale back again, started to, to grow. but we don't we we burn our cash so now we've got you know one bad year on our record out of six and we're going to banks trying to get cash to grow the business yeah Uh, that was a a major challenge for us uh going you know basically going into this year that we had to tackle in q4 to set our set ourselves up for success in 2023
1: yeah yeah okay that's good yeah some big challenges which you're working on um and um I'm sure you're going to figure it out. I know you are Brandon, so but a cash is king. You're right. And it, it definitely causes challenges when there's a lack of it. So um so how are things now though? Like where are where are you now with going through that? Is that still is that is that still happening?
0: So I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm uh, I'm in I got a term sheet from a bank. Uh I went to probably 10 banks um and I'm hopefully uh, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have this thing finalized, but I'm in, uh, I'm in underwriting right now. Okay. Uh, multi-million dollar line of credit um, that has been, I've been working on for literally six, really about six months trying to, okay. trying to get this in place. Um, and so knock on wood, I don't jinx it here. Um, yeah. but we'll, You're not going to jinx go. it.
1: This is a positive <laughs> environment. <laughs> be positive. I'm touching lots of wood around me right now. There we go. So for for entrepreneurs who may be going through something similar what is a piece of advice you can offer, offer others right now
0: well I've learned a lot on this cash thing right it's it, it's when you start the business yes you have a struggle for cash and there's different advice I would give there um, but then scaling cash fractional CFO was my my number one thing I brought in a, a fractional CFO about nine months ago to help me as I was getting back on track last year. Mm -hmm. And when it came time to try to find cash, you know, the first time I did this, when I started the business five years ago, it was me. Like, I don't know where to get money. So I tried like factoring invoices and line of credit against my house. How crazy is that? I would have lost the house and the business, but now having a CFO and someone even in a fractional basis, he was able to reach out to 10 banks that he'd done business with over the last 30 years of right. being a CFO and they trust him. Even yeah. if they don't know Hatchworks, yeah. they trust him. So he got me to the table with, with literally, yeah. I mean, two of them said they weren't interested just based on initial, but uh, you know, in front of eight banks, we went yeah. to underwriting with a couple. And so you have to cast a really wide net is the first thing. So I think having the fractional CFO helps you cast the net. The second thing he's done for me is my books are clean. So even if the numbers are... You know, you might've had a down year and had a lot of growth. He's able to explain the numbers in a way that a bank wants to hear, which is yeah. different than the way that an investor wants to hear right. or the way that, a, you know, maybe you're selling someone on the business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different. A bank has a yeah. almost a different language that's very much rooted in, you know, different metrics. I've heard him talk to the banks he definitely spends it differently than how I would talk to the bank. And I've just been listening and that's how I've learned. So I think, you know, having those books clean, having that fractional CFO, and I think also having your, having multiple options for how you're going to do it, not just banks. So I went to eight banks because I, at this point I need, you know, enough in in the multiple millions to scale that I, a bank was kind of my best option, but I'll tell you this. My last option is equity. Obviously I've got, People sitting there, angel investors, private equity that would you know love to buy shares, but obviously at a big discount. Yeah. I don't want to leverage that unless that's that's my last option. And I think yeah. just looking at other options, whether it's PE backed lending, where you're not giving up equity, I mean, factoring, I would probably even do factoring again, just which means you're selling your invoices for yeah. percent at the top. I would probably do all, anything possible not to have to give up equity in yeah. order to get the cash that I need to grow the business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And why is that? Is that because later on, you know, you got to pay it back and you're losing your stake? Or is it? What are the reasons for that?
0: So to me, I think when you're desperate and you're in a bat, you're in a corner, right? They say the best time to get cash is when you don't really need it. Yeah. And I think one of those reasons is many times your last option is selling equity. And if yeah. you get that cornered in, you're going to have to give up equity and then they're going to pay such a low valuation when they have you in the corner. Cause they know that, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, think about three years from now mm-hmm. and you've given up 10%, 15% of your business. And now you're at a valuation or a multiple that's yeah. 10 times where you are right now. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes, I think a lot of people look back and they're like, Hey, I don't, I don't think I w- would have done that thing the right. same. So I've, I've heard that yeah. message from other that's entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, And so I'm I'm not saying there's, there's good money and there's bad money. And I'm not saying taking money is a bad thing. Just for me, I want to make sure that I have as much of the, of the shares as possible as we get further down the line so that I can make the best decision for my employees and for my, my company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So favorite book right now, is there one Brandon, is there something you've gone to recently, which has just been a blessing to help you through this or
0: yeah, I, I'm using right now. I'm using making making big happen that model. So the Mark Moses book uh, has been really. I've read it three or four times. Mm-hmm. We're implementing that model uh, in our business. So that's the making big happen model. It's focused around HOTS. It's it's very similar to WIG. I I, I used to yeah. do scale up. Um, and, and have decided that you know this making big happen model focuses us you know on just two or three big things that we want to make happen. Uh, kind of backs us down from three years to two years to one year to a quarter, uh, and, and that's what we've been rolling out. We started it uh, in Q4, and now we're rolling it out this year. And so I've been. Pushing the book with my my leadership team, and we actually I have a a coach uh, that's that's helping me a CEO coach with that model. Right. Uh, we've been rolling that out across the business, and I, I just I love how tactical the book is, and like these are the things that you need to do to execute on this. Yeah. It's not just yeah. it's not just theory. theory yeah. it's very tactical things like you do this yeah. on a weekly basis, this on a monthly basis, this on a quarterly, this on a yearly. You know, this every couple of years. Yeah,
1: no, that's great. Fantastic recommendation. So what excites you about the future? What does your future of flight look like?
0: So uh, there's a couple of things that I'm excited about. You know, in in my business where, you know, we provide uh, Nearshore agile software teams. So we provide U.S. and, and Nearshore integrated teams. And Nearshore just means... We've got engineers down in Latin America, but everybody's in the same time zone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're creating hundreds of jobs in second and third world countries. We're, you know, most of our clients are all U.S. large corporations. So we're essentially taking money and you know charging customers in the U.S. and routing that money to second and third world countries, creating very high end jobs in those countries. And these are countries where you know poverty is is, is at a very high rate. Uh, and where the jobs that we're creating around engineering are, you know, the best that you can do in the country. Uh, and that motivates me on a daily basis. It's like every yeah. time we, we we sell a deal and it's, you know, we need five different teams that we're providing. Some are in the U.S. Some are going to be in LATAM. I know immediately that we're creating opportunities for people. That excites yeah. me. Yeah. Um, right. The other thing on the journey is I know where we're going. I know exactly where I want to be in three years. You know, we're focused on a nine-figure exit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that the Make Big happen. You know, they've got tons and tons of testimonials mm-hmm. around people who you follow this system and you push themselves and this nine-figure exit is kind of a, a target and goal that's very achievable with it. Uh, and that's where, you know, that's where we're headed. And I feel uh, like I have a plan to get there versus in the past, kind of, I had a hope that this is where I, I wanted to go, but I didn't have that, that super tactical plan to say, all right, this is what I have to do this year. This is what I have to do next year. And this is what I have to do in year three. If I'm going to hit that overall goal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Great. Fantastic. That is very exciting. I'd love to hear that. So who are you? Tell me a little bit about you, Brandon, um, in terms of like, you know, um, you know, where you grew up, like what, what is, what are those key milestones um, about, about who you are?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was uh, Georgia born and raised, um, you know, for me, my, a big event in my life was obviously my, my dad uh, leaving the picture when I was young at four years old. And so my mom, you know, raised my sister and I have a sister who also lives in Georgia uh, who's a couple years younger than me. And, you know, for me, it was, is all about, you know, growing up in sports. And that's, that was kind of my outlet. Uh, I was uh, very competitive in track and, and cross country and uh, always wanted to win. And, and I think that was instilled in me just at a young age with the kind of the, the way I was raised. Uh, and And for me, what, what's always driven me, you know, went to, went on to college and got very interested in technology yeah. and like, I'm not an engineer at all. So I'm not, I don't even know how to code. Um, but I'm always interested in solving problems. And that started uh, probably in early high school, where I, I started to see like the first cell phones and that kind of stuff come out. And I was just like, wow, you can make life way easier with technology versus seeing it as like a bad thing. Yeah. I kept seeing like, wow, that works better with technology and that works better with technology. Uh, And so for me, when I went to college, I went to UGA for undergrad. It became just really uh, like this so easy for me on the tech side. Everything else was very hard, terrible at English, terrible at history and everything else. But the 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 business stuff and the technology. So I was like, I love this. Yeah. This is what I want to do with my my career and with my life is is getting tech. So I spent about the first 15 years in consulting. So all in the tech side, mm-hmm. um, solving problems for different clients. Um, before I eventually decided to go and launch Hatchworks and obviously mm-hmm. helping other clients um, you know, modernize their technology and, mm-hmm. and solve those those problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, yeah, I mean, that's me. I mean, I've just been uh Still competitive to this day, uh, just like I was in 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 high school and in college, but uh just That's in a good. different.
1: That's good. That's great. What about Jersey Mike subs?
0: Oh man, we're gonna you go mention there.
1: it. I'm like, we're
0: <laughs> go there. Okay, so this is funny. So I was like mid twenties, maybe, uh, and I was thinking about going. I was working in consulting, and I was thinking about going back and getting an MBA. And then I was like, you know, it would be really cool to own a bar or a club, and I was like, you know, in my 20s, and I think that would be great, and I don't know anything about the restaurant industry whatsoever, uh, or the club business, and so I was looking at all these bars and restaurants, and I came across this sub shop, and it was terrible, like, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the food was, but, like, the, like, it was dirty, and also, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this, this is gonna be, like, a learning experience, so I bought this Jersey Mike's, uh, the one close to Emory, and it was, I, I didn't know how to read a P&L at the time. Right. And so P&L said it was making 40000 in profit, mm-hmm. uh, but it was really losing 40000 right. in in case. Okay. So and I'm like working in the Jersey Mike's at night. <laughs> the oh, it was awful. I know nothing about food costs or anything. So it was like this, it was That's like so this good. MBA. I got this MBA, like without yeah. getting a degree. Yeah. From uh, from buying a Jersey Mike's. And then I bought one and then I realized like, well, how the hell do you get out of this thing? Because no one wants to buy a restaurant with a right. five-year lease. <laughs> so then I had to buy another one. So I bought another one. Uh, and this time I knew how to read the P&L and I got a good deal on the second right. one. And that way I could pay the manager to run these things. And right. then I bought a third one. And finally, I figured out the only way I'm getting out of this is to sell them to the manager. So right. I did <laughs>
1: <laughs> good story. Oh my yeah. god! The,
0: the, the overarching lesson here was: yeah. do not get into a business unless you have an exit strategy.
1: Yeah. Aha! Uh-huh. There we go. To 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 this very day. Do you like Jersey Mike subs? I got. I've never that. been
0: back in one sense. Ever
1: be? <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. I love that story. Okay. Very cool. Well, so what problem do you solve right now? Um, Brandon, like you know, I, I do love the fact like you say you're really helping and enabling people, um second and third world countries. So what are these amazing teams of people doing? Like, what are they solving?
0: Yeah, the main thing we're focused on, like you know, there's a talent global talent shortage in technology, right? So anything yeah. with engineering, whether it's software, data, cloud. All companies are having to modernize their technology, right? Because they they need to get leaner, they need to get more efficient. Yeah. Uh, and so these agile teams that we provide, they're building software, they're implementing data products. And, and the only difference between us and just a normal U.S. based company is that we're able to provide it integrated. So we're using you know people in the same time zone, but also people local. So if we have a you know we have we have fifty people in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but then behind that you know one hundred and fifty people in Latin that are helping helping back that up. Right. Um, you know, our, our typical client has uh, a project, they can't find enough talent, or they don't have the expertise to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, since the pandemic hit, I've seen more and more clients that are just challenged with finding the right people and talent to be able to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, yes, some on the expertise side, uh, but more and more companies have a lot of work to do around their technology modernization projects. But they just don't have enough talent to do it, and they can't get in. You know, in the U.S., our talent shortage for tech is even higher, right? Even though there's been yeah. layoffs and stuff, yeah. all those people should easily be able to find. You know, everyone yeah. should be able to, to to bounce back in a job. And yeah. so, the, you know, just the global talent market around tech is is never going to be sufficient for the demand.
1: Right. Wow. Okay. Very good. That's wonderful. So, I love this next question. If you were to do this all again, this is our introspection question, Brandon. If you were to do this all again, would you do it all over again?
0: I think this is how I. I, still, I think this is how crazy I am. I didn't even flinch. I was like, absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you
1: wouldn't do Jesse Mike's again. But you're gonna. do <laughs> it I again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but in terms of hats works, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I've learned more in the last. Here's here's the main reason why I would do it again not because of some of the pain and and all the the ups and downs, because that's hard and that's probably taken some years off my life. (laughs) Uh, But what I've learned in six years is more than I thought I would learn in a lifetime. Literally like this, the six years of, you know, I could work in corporate, you know, I had a a really good job at AT Mm AT&T, um, an executive position there. And I learned a lot. Um, a lot from all kinds of sites, but in terms of until you're accountable for all of these different things and just have yeah. to figure it out. You learn, and I'm a, and like learning to me is what drives me. Um, I'm just, I'm a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. and I can't think of any other way that I would have learned this much than to have gone off on my own and and you know cut the parachute and you know Porsche, parachute being the corporate job yeah. and being forced to go and figure this out. So that that's the main reason that I don't I didn't hesitate on you know yeah. on that question.
1: No, you didn't. You didn't at all. I love that. Great. So outside of work. And what do you do? I'm curious. Like, what kind of things do you do for fun? I know you have a young child, so that you're probably very busy at home as well, and you're working a lot. So, yeah,
0: what does I think it look fun, like? fun changed for me the last uh, <laughs> uh last uh, le- this last year. I had uh, I had a uh, I have an eleven month old daughter, and that's my first child. So I had her late in life, and and she's really been the focus, you know, the last year and and figuring out this whole uh daddying deal while yeah. <laughs> you're trying. To- <laughs> To run your business, but I I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, the the things that I I love, I spend a lot of time outside. I love to surf. I love to ski. Um, I I have been um, for me, working out is a a stress reliever that I am just like some people get hangry when they're hungry. Yeah. I, I get angry when I don't go. You know, when I don't yeah. do something like active Physical. to be able to yeah. to let go. Uh, and then the the other thing that I've been working on now for over a year in my spare time is trying to speak Spanish, and it's just killing me. I have all these employees yeah. that are bilingual, uh, and i'm I'm trying my best to to get there. I travel and see them, and i'm it's just a struggle. So Spanish has been yeah. a big thing for me. And then I do love to travel. Uh, I you know, I just uh, over the over the holidays, I went to Oaxaca, Mexico, and Mexico City because I love to eat and uh, they have amazing food and wine down there and, and Mezcal and oh, lovely. Uh, I just, I yeah. just ate, and ate and ate for a week straight, basically. Yeah.
1: That's very, very cool. Um, so to learn Spanish, what are you doing? Cause I mean, I, 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 I'm doing Duolingo right now for French um, and I find it as frustrating. I mean, I don't, I'm not working every day with French people, but I like to travel to France a lot and my language gets better and better, but I have to drink more for it to get better and better so, so i'm trying to do it just by actually doing duolingo every day Well, what are you doing how how are you trying to do that
0: so i did duolingo i've been that on that app for 2 years and yeah. it just not getting better and i finally went to this not
1: getting better you said no. it's not oh
0: no it does it's not getting better because the conversational piece of it so i went to this app called preply it's a platform right and it pairs you up with a native speaker so and it's only like for me, it's like my teacher is in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I think it's like sixteen dollars an hour. But but it's a live class, so it's catered right. to me, right? Where and we meet um, twice a week, and there's curriculum, and then she can go at my pace, or I, you know, if I can go faster, then it's all catered to the pace that I go to, and she knows how bad I am at certain things, and right. can kind of focus in on those areas. And so I really like the personalized experience of it. And I would say in the maybe two months since I've been working with her, mm-hmm. um, I've gotten way better than in the two years of using the Duolingo. The,
1: yeah. So how do you spell pre-ply? Is should that, be is it yeah, P-L-I? P,
0: yeah, P-R-E-P-L-Y. Should P-L-Y, be pre-ply.
1: P-R-E-P-L-Y. Okay. I've never heard of that. Well, I'm yeah. gonna I like my Duolingo. I think I'm doing good, but I I'm that's good. I be tried happy.
0: Babel too. That didn't work either. No.
1: Okay, but Preply is the elevated model. Okay. For anybody wanting to learn a language? you need to try that. So that's great. You do a lot. You have I love the fact you've got all these outside interests. And I was trying to come up with a term that rather than hangry, how do you add exercise to angry? Didn't come up with it yet, but I'm gonna think about that, Brandon.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: because it's so true. So so where can people find you? Tell me, how can they connect with you?
0: Uh, on LinkedIn, um, Brandon Christopher Powell, and uh, that's that's the main. And I'm on Facebook as well, but LinkedIn is my main kind yeah. of my platform. And I, I try to I try to post uh, very regularly uh, on things like culture and entrepreneurship and and agile teams. And so I've been very focused on LinkedIn and trying okay. to to build the audience there.
1: Yeah, that's really really good. Okay, well, thank you, um, Brandon, for joining us today. It's been wonderful.
0: Thanks for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it.
1: You're really welcome. Uh, Thank you to our audience. If you learned something today or you laughed, please tell someone about this podcast, Entrepreneur's Flight. Thank you again, Brandon. It's been another very exciting episode of EO Atlantis Taking Flight, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you all again next time. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.